Welcome back to episode two of the Driving Talk podcast, powered by Icon. And this is episode two, Enter the Dragon, because we have a bit of a Welsh theme going on today. We've got Rhys Lloyd joining us uh, today. You would have noticed as well, one of our regular hosts, Paul Harvey, isn't with us. Unfortunately, he's probably flat out working in the centre of London, but he can't join us uh, for this episode. But Rhys, Max, it's great to have you guys on the Driving Talk podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for thanks for having me. Um, thanks for the uh, dragon intro. Uh, I'm glad there was no sheep jokes, obviously, on the intro. No, no. Well, I mean, um, uh, only only from you. I, I mean, you may may have guessed from the surname or not. I come from a Welsh background as well. My a lot of my family fell from Port Talbot, so. Uh, Okay. Yeah, you you won't you won't get a lot coming from this end. So we'll just we'll just we know who the protagonist is going to be for the rest of the show. Don't worry about that. But um, obviously, the dragon theme kind of coincides with Dragon Sport, which is the racing team that that you own and run, and you you run a very successful scholarship. And we'll get on and talk about that as well. Um, and Max, you've kind of been part of this journey more or less from the start, haven't you? Yeah, so um, Reese and I met when when we were both racing in some some C1. So we sort of both know um, a company called Gala Performance. They were they ended up becoming a sponsor of mine, and um, Reese was racing with them guys in the C1. I got invited to go and do the 24 hour race with them, and and that's kind of how me and uh, Reese met. Well, actually, I think we met at the Croft Round. Um, before that, but then raced together at the at the twenty four hour, and then um, that was kind of where things um, developed. And and I think at the time, um, what Dragon Sport has become was uh, was probably well, it certainly wasn't in my head. I don't know whether it was in Reese's, but um, I don't think so. If I'm honest, I think um, you know the the initial thing started with with Reese having a phone call two Autosport shows ago, pretty much on the way home, and and sort of said. Can we go and um, race a TCR car in Brick Car next year? So, um, so yeah, I guess it's a bit of a weird podcast for me because I'm I'm, in, I'm involved on both both sides, you know. So I'm uh, a co-host of the pod, a podcast, but also in a way, sort of part of the guest lineup. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're very much <laughs> yeah, that's very much all over it. Yeah, literally, you could pick apart any any project in British motorsport at the moment, and chances are Max Coach has probably been a part of it, is a part of it, or is going to be a part of it in the future. Definitely. Uh, so, Reese, I, I, I come to you, good sir. So, your motorsport journey, where did it start for you? God, it's a, a long time ago, in a, a very wet Pembrey circuit back in 1997, believe it or not. Um, I obviously was very young at the time. Um, I obviously I'm still varying at the moment, um, but yeah, no, my my captain, captain journey obviously back began back in captain. Um, kind of started when I was around ten, eleven. Um, we did a lot of events at Pembrey, and we did the Super One Championships. Uh, kind of won a few national championships in captain, um, and then kind of progressed on to um, car racing at the age of seventeen. Uh, did a local like Welsh Sports and Saloon Car Championship. Um, and then we had a bit of a few incidents in my personal life. My father passed away when I was quite young. So fortunately, when I was 18, he passed away. And obviously, he was a really big part of obviously the, you know, the motorsport journey and links with Pembrey and everything. So it, it 
it made it a little bit more tricky for probably two or three years as um you could say maybe a bit of peer pressure came in as well um obviously i was always the black sheep of of the family coming from wales going into racing uh all of my friends all the people i knew in wales all went rallying um and i kind of had a bit more choice on which way i wanted to go um and do my racing or rallying so i chose to go down the rallying path then when i was 18 um <clears throat> which which brought its own kind of a set of unique challenges we we were really successful on on tarmac rallies and we won um, the tour of Epins, uh we won the cambrian rally <clears throat> but uh, when it came to the forest in the gravel we had some big accidents um some, some pretty big accidents and some pretty spectacular bills as well to to come out of that <clears throat> Um, so, sent it pretty hard then yeah oh yeah we did and and i like everything we do you know we like to do things properly um my my best friend at the time and uh, my fellow co-driver we went on to do uh wales rally gb in 2005 i think it was top of my head um we completed that that event uh we finished about ninth or tenth i think overall in group n which you know at the time in those days when you had 130 140 cars doing Wales Rally GB it was was a pretty awesome, pretty awesome, you know, great thing to be part of. I was I was going to say because arguably apart from obviously the nineties with McRae and Burns, that's kind of where that sort of fifteen twenty year period you're amongst the time where rallying was in this country was really at its biggest interest. Yeah, hundred um, percent, and that's why everyone was telling me you know they were going oh why why are you going racing why why are you going to karting why are you going here you know you, everything is. Everything is, you know, for, for me, it's a complete opposite to what I am now. I could go half an hour and there's so many forestries and local events going on in our area that it made sense. Um, it's just a completely, obviously, set of disciplines. You know, I, I grew up playing around in Brechtman Forest, which is notoriously one of the most famous forests in, in kind of world rallying. You know, you watch Colin McRae on your doorstep five, ten minutes down the road. It's, it's, it, was, it was a crazy era. So it was something that you really want to be part of. Um, it was something I'm really proud of done, especially with Rally GB and, and done the rallying because it brings so many of the set of skill set in where you, you're making your own pace not from scratch. You know, you're, you're driving in the dark, you're driving in complete darkness, no, no lights. And, it, and those skills transfer so much more back than into the racing side when you get back into the racing than at a later date. Mm. So at least if you get it wrong, you've got no the skills. Lights. Well, when I mean no lights, I mean like no lights in a forestry. So if it's pitch black, isn't it? So if you think about headlamps, yeah, you've got headlamps and spot lamps, obviously. But by the time you've done the second run, they're obviously getting quite dirty because obviously all of, of the dirt is going on them. And, you know, it's not like a circuit where you would do, say, Dubai 24, where you'd have, you know, half of the, the street is lit up and the corners are lit up. Yeah. But, you know, this this is proper darkness. Um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. It, it was it was good times. It was good times. That's like in stage rather than on on the on the um, like recce. Oh yeah, yeah, on stage. I mean, I think the the longest stage we did was fifty six kilometers, which oh, yeah. when you think about it, it's it's pretty mammoth like stage really. We think about it now, um, yeah, and we big. we would rerun it twice. And you know, when there's one hundred and fifty cars running that stage twice, the difference of the first run to the second run is is unbelievable. The amount of ruts, the amount of rocks are thrown out. You know, you're effectively just driving on the sump guard for 
50 kilometers which is is crazy really mm. yeah so circuit racing uh welsh sports and saloons yeah uh c- quite a bit of that so that's i mean i it's almost a bit like the thunder championship in the uk it's one of the most yeah. bonkers grids you could probably come across you've got anything from a Ginetta to a gt car at the front and then a ford fiesta at the back Definitely, so yes. what what was it you ran in that so originally i, I ran a, a group ben honda civic back in 2003 um just pre i went rallying and then when i came back from rallying we uh, we ran a, an mg zr group n which actually we did wheels rally gb in so we converted it back from a, a rally car back to a to a circuit car um and then the the, the following year we went a bit more seriously so we bought um, a leo super copa um, the series had just folded in 2008 the the new model um a glut of them had come for sale we bought one uh, and the following year we we won the lma euro saloon car championship uh, outright and we won the the welsh championship outright which was which is quite a you know at the time the lma championship was was really boisterous championship it was a really good championship there was about six seven of them in in your class the same car and it was a grid of probably 40 other cars um, it was it was you know a really good season for us to be fair. I remember that series well. Um, quite a lot of super tourists in there as well. So you had like yeah. Richard Hawken, Andy said, Robinson yeah. would turn up in his yeah. Falcon as well. So to to win that um, outright is a hell of an achievement. Yeah. Long before you've come to Brick Car, which I kind of I kind of akin that to Brick Car today, the Enduro side. I don't know if you'd think the same, Max, but a lot of the multi class. Different, different closing speeds and everything like that. Would you say it's kind of prepared him well for his brick car journey? Yeah, well, I think you know that that is exactly what brick car is. <clears throat> the class structure is um, created by a, a pretty crazy little system. Um, mm. So, you know, it, it is it is multi class, but even within the class, it's a bit a bit mixed up. Um, you might have something with more power and less grip, or more grip and less power or lighter or heavy or whatever so the more the multi-class isn't <clears throat> like when you when you look at like professional level gt racing where it is gt4 gt3 everything's relatively to a spec where within brick car to be honest the only thing that's really to a spec is the clio cup class everything else okay. is like massively massively varied so yeah, I think it's definitely a good preparation. And and for and for Reese, just going back there to, to your to your karting days, I know we're going back a few steps. Was was there a kart track at Pembrey? Yes, there was, yeah. So they was on the on the rally now. So as you come into the circuits on the right hand side, there was a bit of a motocross and a bit of drifting yeah. and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, there was a proper kart track. Yeah, it was there. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite it was quite a popular circuit. We used to have a, we used to obviously have a Welsh Championship round on one day, and you used to get a lot of Super One guys who come down for the for that weekend and stuff. But um, yeah, obviously Landau then took over really from Pembrey, obviously a later date then, and then obviously that was the yeah. kind of standout circuit. But um, yeah. but yeah, going back to this, so I, obviously I did the so I, obviously that that was two thousand and nine. We won both championships, and unfortunately. You know, a few things happened in two thousand nine. Then, where money was tight, um, we we were hoping, obviously, by winning a few series, we were going to have a leg up, as as everyone does, in a few of the championships. And it was difficult to see where the progression was. I think at the time I was twenty one or twenty two, 
Um, <clears throat> and I was kind of hoping to move, move up to maybe, you know, maybe something like, well, we actually done the Clio Cup or, or something, something of that nature. We, we couldn't raise the budget to do it. Um, and unfortunately, I stopped racing in, in 2009. I just started a, a, a business also and just kind of had to focus and knuckle down and literally didn't watch any racing, didn't didn't want to see any racing for, for probably five or six years because I knew as soon as you see it, you get the, get the bug back. Um, so fortunately, I, I had a massive hiatus. I, I was still instructing down at Pembrey for, for a few years. Um, and then I, I kind of ventured back into it in 2017, I think it was. I think I came back then. Um, so I had quite a big, big hiatus really in the middle. Yeah, because I suppose 2009, that would have been GFC time. So I think the credit crunch kind of hit for it was. everyone. It was. Um, a shame, really. Probably the worst time you could possibly try and go racing. We won the championship, I think, the month, two weeks after. I think the credit crunch came in and we won it like two weeks later. And mm. I think the Toka grid the year after was like on its knees. You know, everything kind of obviously changed for a lot of people, obviously, overnight. So it was a difficult year. And, you know, we had to make the decision of, you know, we've we've done this for so many years. We've, you know, where where are we going with this, and where are we ultimately going? And I had to focus on something, and that's how it went. For it was really painful at the time. I remember it. You know, winning two championships and then literally just kind of stopping, which was kind of a bit heartbreaking. But uh, yeah. So you have your hiatus, and mm-hmm. you kind of withdraw yourself from the racing side of things for a few years. Yeah. My co-host gets quite a bit of success in that time, works his way yeah. through Ginettas and the rest of the Toka Paddock, and everyone now knows the cheeky chappy that is Max Coates. Or as we actually found out in episode one, he's the old git now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what brought the comeback for you, Reese? What What made you think, you know what, I want to have another crack at this? Um, it, was, it was a few random set of events. I think actually I came back in originally 2015. I think I did actually come back, but it was for one event only, and that was at Anglesey for the mini mini challenge. Actually, that was but but was a very weird. But I had, I had a really random phone call from a, a friend of mine called uh, Carl Bradley, who was running a mini Coopers in in the team at the time, and I think he was running uh, one of the Paniatos. Lee Patterson was involved in the team. Um, kind of who else was involved but anyway he just phoned me kind of a week before the event saying oh a couple of drivers have pulled out Fanglesey you should come back and do something and I was like you know it was just one of those phone calls you were like yeah let's do it let's go so we went to Anglesey and we did I think it was three races I think we qualified like quite well we think we qualified fourth and I think I had like a sixth seventh and a DNF in the last round in the last race of the weekend but it was good, but what what obviously a lot of things have changed since I had been racing. You know, it was a lot more kind of safety cars. The track time was obviously quite shortened quite a bit, um, so it it gave me like a bit of a taste for it again. Um, but it wasn't probably something that I wanted to come back in to do. Was was the mini challenge at the time, and then roll on like another year and a half. I just a couple of things happened, and I stumbled across the C one racing series, and. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, and then it just kind of it went from there. So um, Rob, obviously, who runs Amigo now, which obviously we're, we're part of with 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 Rob at the moment, um, 
was had a young driver who was going to see ones. Uh, we had a you know good conversation, few tests, and ultimately, I think we missed the first year of the C one, but we were, we were there pretty much from the start of the C ones when it really got going. Um, so we did the first C one twenty four at Rockingham. Uh, we went to Spa, and that that's kind of where my passion for endurance really started. That I I, I kind of even though it was a lot low, lower speed and it was a lot lower budget than what we've been involved in. It was just the the fun factor probably was one of it. It was just just a great laugh. The racing was honestly out of this world. You know, when, when you when you've got fifty, sixty C ones on the grid at the same time, I mean, you, you can't. It's just phenomenal. Um, the twenty four hour racing obviously was super. You know, racing in the dark and yeah, it was it was really really good. And we did that for kind of two or three seasons, and obviously that's where. We were gently introduced to to Max, and then ultimately from there, I, I still had a desire to do something a bit bigger. So when COVID hit, then a little well, a couple of months before COVID hit, I decided to do the Dubai Twenty Four. Uh, <clears throat> again, it was it was quite a, a random set of events. I was at home in late November, start of December, and kind of an advert comes up on Racecars Direct. Uh, it was a French team, and and the driver basically pulled out with a few weeks before the event. Um, I obviously had a discussion with them over the phone, which was quite interesting, as they didn't seem to understand anything I was saying, which was a bit concerning. Um, to be fair, I didn't really understand a lot of what they were saying. But um, yeah, I went to Dubai, so I did the the twenty twenty nineteen um, Dubai twenty four. And wow, it was just such a such an amazing experience, um, you know. And also to get back in a TCR car, then was ultimately as well that was in Dubai. So we did Dubai, and then I did about another four or five Creventic events. Just I just loved the endurance aspect. We did the twelve hour Paul Rickard. We did the eighteen hour Hockenheim. We won multiple times in the TCR class in in those series. And that is what gave me the desire really to just to, to kind of do what we're doing today now is 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 had to be an endurance racing, but maybe at a obviously at a higher level than, than the C ones, you know. And ultimately that's where I kind of got involved with Max to see what, what we could do, what was possible. So Max, your first introduction to Reese Lloyd, talk us through it. It's probably at Croft and because uh, Reese was just a guy there racing with um, ah, you remind me of his name. I slipped out my head. Matthew. Matthew, and yeah. um, Matthew's great young lad. Um, and yeah, Reese and Matthew were racing together. Um, yeah, I probably hadn't really realised it at the time, but Reese was was probably giving Matthew a bit of a leg up to to be racing in the series alongside Reese and. And to be fair, that's kind of been a theme that's that's continued throughout um, throughout his, his racing career and the endurance side of things. So, um, so yeah, that was that was my first introduction. But I think the first time we we sort of we met each other there, but really it was doing the twenty four hour C one at, at Silverstone. I think it was yeah. probably where we we kind of really got to know each other. Um, we were both sharing the car. We were probably the quicker two in the team I think yeah. um, and um, yeah we just sort of yeah we, we got on really well when we were there um, it was it was such a laugh and for me 
Um, I guess the, the the weird thing is when when I'm coming um, to do something like a C1 race, um, for, for a lot of people, it is fun, but it's also like their biggest race of the year or whatever they're doing is their biggest thing. Um, where where for me, it's usually coming and having a go and, it's, and it is just just fun, um, just just for a laugh. Um, so it's a lot less serious than um, than uh, than sort of like the cut and thrust of, of the Toka weekends. Um, so I, I think um, I'd I'd um, I'd done a day at Brands or something. I was coaching Brad Gravit, I think. Um, yeah, I think you were late. You were late turning up around back. Because you meant to test the day, and you hadn't even turned up until the night. No, I was like, I, I can't make the test in. I'll just I'll turn up for qualifying. But it was like. <laughs> We had to get a bit of special dispensation because I wasn't there for driver's briefing. So they were like, yeah. okay, yeah, he, prob- he probably knows what he's doing. He'll, he'll, it's okay. Um, so they like give me a quick run through. And I think I turned up like maybe an hour and a bit into quali. So I hadn't, I hadn't even sat in, I hadn't even seen the car until I got in it to go out for qualifying. Um, so anyway, we, we went out of the pits. Uh, I think, I can't remember where we, where we put the car on the grid, but I think I'd maybe like I just nicked the, the time of the team or we, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. And um, anyway, we, we came in and, um, and I'd been out with my lights on, on dip beam the whole time. I didn't realize we could turn them up to, um, to like full beam. Cause I thought it would blind the marshals. <laughs> so I did the whole thing on dip. Well, I, I was still well. like, I don't know, sixth on the grid or something like that. It was, uh, it was, it was just class crack, and that's kind of how it, how it went. So I just think, you know, we we, we hit the ball rolling, having a good laugh, and um, and then that's that's exactly where you know things picked off in twenty. What year did we race Britka? Last twenty one, twenty twenty one, twenty three. Twenty two. Yeah, twenty one was a twenty four then. 22, yeah. yeah, it would have been 22, 23, 24, yeah. 21, you yeah. did the C, we did the C124, yeah. Yeah, so 20, 22 was a, 20, was a 24 hour, and then 23, <laughs> we raced together, we raced together in Brick Cup, so. Um, yeah, and 22. And yeah, so yeah, so we did 22, we did a bit of 23, that's right. I'm getting lost off with yeah. what year everything was. Um, yeah. And then that's, that's kind of how things have, that's kind of how things have rolled on, really. Fantastic. So, Dragon Sport Racing is born, and you get yourself uh, an Opel Astra TCR, so it's sort of one of the Gen 1 TCR cars, and you head for the Brick Car Endurance. Um, Now, you've had a a mixed set of results in the car, unfortunately, because albeit the TCR cars are great race cars, you're then asking that effectively, I mean, mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I could be completely wrong in saying this, but effectively they're built for sprint racing, so and you're then putting that in an endurance setting, so you're also almost pushing it well beyond its specification. Am I right? I think it's built for kind of seven minutes of racing. <laughs> well, it is a voxel. I mean, that's, uh, let's when, be you, when you turn when you turn the car upside down, it's got a stick on the back, and it says like "built for seven minutes at its best" or something. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. To be fair, I mean, 
it, it, it was born in, I think it was December 2021. I, I was obviously finished the C1 stuff and I was like, right, I want to kind of get into doing something next year properly, you know, kind of having a bit of our own brand and, you know, I had a few ideas jotted down. So obviously I wanted to do endurance racing. Britka was obviously the, the logical place. The British Endurance Championship was being launched for, for that year. There was a lot of kind of hype around it and bits and bobs. So I thought, yeah, that, that'd be a good place to go. I didn't want to get a golf. I'd driven a TCI golf. I'd driven a Leon. I'd driven a 308. And I just wanted to have something that was going to be a bit different, a bit standout, which mm. isn't always the best. But um, it seemed a good idea at the time. And when I was to Denmark to, to see the car, when I seen the car, I was like, this, this is, we've got to have this. This, this just looks fast. It, it looked fast in the workshop. And I thought, you know what? We won't go wrong with this. Um, and then obviously on the, on the, I went to Denmark, we got the car sorted and I, and, and I was just trying to put together who would be, you know, a good fit to kind of come in to, to drive alongside myself then. And, you know, Max was a logical choice, really. It was obviously one from a kind of a coaching perspective also, it's, you know, he can bring lots of value and obviously, you know, he'd, he had done a few Britka rounds also recently in a Leon, I think it was, was it you were doing before? Yeah. Yeah. Um and obviously, you know, meeting him in the twenty four hour race and yeah, it, it, it fitted in well. Um and and Dragon Spot was, was was born from there really. That that is exactly where it started. We we were one we were a one car thing and yeah. essentially what it's what it's become to be with the scholarship was um not I don't think really a, a part of anybody's game plan at that point, was it? No, not not at that um, point, no, no. We just uh, we just literally we met and um, went and we were going to go and race the the TCR and it it was um, the first round was a bit of a baptism fire um, yeah we we missed uh, missed getting out of the pit lane to get to the grid then we had a drive shaft snap as the race started yeah. uh, the comms cable had broke so we couldn't talk to race to get him back. Then we have a. Then did all the studs. Yeah, they all threaded, all didn't they? Thread, stripped or something in a pit stop. It just like everything that could go wrong went wrong. The did first go race. Wrong. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was like, uh, you just got to learn from it, sort all these things out and go again. And then I think from there, we were kind of doing, we were kind of doing all right. Um, and, and had it been a, a class of, of solely Gen 1 TCR cars, we would have been right right up the front, but um, yeah. that came just at the time that in the new coupe yeah. and thirties and and just these new TCR cars was just naturally a quicker car um, and and probably newer, so slightly more reliable. To be fair, it it was frustrating because we did about four days testing, I think it was before the first round, um, which 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 was a decent amount. And to be fair, the four days testing went really really well. As in, we didn't have a single problem. We, you know, we breezed it, didn't we? and we thought, "Bloody hell, we're gonna have a good chance here." And I literally went to the first round, and it, it, you know, even I think the Friday and the first round were well. I think everything was going so well, wasn't it? Until yeah. that morning, I don't know what happened that morning. Max didn't go to church or whatever it was, but something happened that morning, and just it just poured on us. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was but, um, that was the yeah. first bit, and but we 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 kind of crapped on from there, really, didn't we? Um, yeah. 
we had a, a few good scraps, a few good races. We did we did have quite a bit of unreliability, unfortunately. But um, but you know yeah. we were to be honest when we when we weren't in the pits, we were pretty quick. So uh, yeah, so that was that was something to take from it as as kind of as we went through the year. That was definitely kind of our hmm. thing going into the into what we plan to do as a second year, really. And the other thing to remember as well, I guess, with these the Astras, they weren't really developed even as a TCR car. There, there wasn't a lot of development in the cars physically from a factory backing. Whereas, like you say, Max, the the Coopers, the Audis, um, yeah. all of the, the high end eyes, all the newer stuff coming in. Effectively, I mean, I say it's a Gen One car. The Opel Astras was one of the first to be done. So yeah. you, you've picked what you think is a proven product that on the face of it is factory made and you know it's got all this stuff in it but then when you dig into it they're not as developed as it perhaps should be which yeah. sends, and, and that's not that's not your guys fault at all unfortunately it's 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 no. it's one of those things you've seen it with poor i feel for darrell wilson sometimes watching him in tci uk because he's yeah. doing everything he can and trying to get the best out of the one he's running in tci uk and, and and seems to to run into certain issues with it um so you you go through a season with the uh, the TCR and a couple of Gen 4 Clios uh, pop into the occasion. Now, I'm going to be a betting man here. How much bending of the arm did Max do to get you to buy the Gen 4 Clio race? Come on. Uh, there were two people involved in, in the bending of the arms. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. It was one of them. Um, yeah, I'll touch, I'll go back, I'll go back, I'll just go back one point before I forget to tell you. The the interesting thing with the Astro from moving to Clio is like last year, there was three of those cars running worldwide. So if you think about it, how many Volkswagen TCRs running worldwide? How many Leos are running worldwide? How many Peugeot three weights? I mean, Darrell is co-pilot by myself with the only three men running a TCR in the world. You know, and that gives you the kind of size of the challenge you have against the other manufacturers, really. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was my final point on the on the Astra. But yeah, go, going forward to the Clios, the the Dragon Sport Scholarship came before the Clios. So the 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 idea was born in February of twenty twenty two, before we actually started the first first race. And I and I kind of said to Max that what I wanted to do um, for a scholarship. My train of thought was actually was to get a Mini Cooper. I'd been to Spain, I'd seen a car. He had done the Spanish Endurance Championship, looked a really lovely car, and I thought, you know, this is the car that's going to do the Brickgar Trophy. This is the car that could be a scholarship car brilliantly. And I had Rob Gaffney in my, obviously, a lot of Clio experience in one year. Max, obviously, my year of the year. And they were like, no, you need to get a Clio. And I was like, well, I don't want to get a Clio because everybody else has got a Clio in that championship. But ultimately... After a lot of deliberating and thinking about it, yeah, the, the Clio Road is, is what we went down. And looking back at it now, it, it actually is a, it's such, been such a better decision going down that route because ultimately it's got his own class. It's a great car. It's a reliable car. And it's ex, it's exactly what you want from a race. It's just a mini little TCR car. And it's, it's, it's a super little car. So I'm, so I'm so glad I did listen to those two people because, um, yeah, the journey wouldn't have been the journey without it now. Yeah, no, and that is that is exactly what happened. Reese was like, "I want to go to Spain and buy this car," and me and Rob were like, "You're an idiot! Don't buy it. You can save fifteen grand, buy a Clio, 
uh, and it'd be great. And then I think I think you bought four, <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of how it's how it's gone. But um, yeah, the, the, the Clio, you know, from my side, is, is exactly what Reese said: reliable, um, competitive. In that they're all pretty much identical and the same. So the racing in it is fantastic. Um, I was already running one, um, so it made a lot of sense that if Reese had one, then it it was um, better from her sharing parts and sharing data and um, you know kind of laterally working together as a team. So it made a lot of sense, um, and and because there was a class there, it it was competitive from the off, which I think was um, one of the things that makes makes the scholarship um, so much more impactful for people that are entering it. Uh, where I think if they were coming into a bit of a, a random abstract car, I, I'm not sure it would it would really have the same value that that it does by um, being in a in a competitive Clio Cup class. So, so that was where that was where the first Clio Cup car came from, um, and then we had the challenge of trying to organise the scholarship um, first time round. So, um, I've I've naturally done um, a few scholarships coaching. So I had a fair idea of how um, how I how I thought the scholarship should run, how how to how to do it. So Reese kind of just let me get on with that, really, and um, and and to do do whatever I thought was the right thing to do, and and it developed and was a was a fantastic success in in year one. It was a hell of a challenge, something that was yeah. completely new to me, um, but actually um, I think you know applying the learnings from quite a few scholarships that I've been to. Um, I'm naturally going to say it felt like it it all operated and, and ran well <laughs> because I ran it and I'll want to sing my own trumpet. But um, I do think it I do think it went really well. You know, we um, operationally it went well on the day, but a good number of people turn up and want to do it. Um, the prize was fantastic, and and ultimately we picked the right winner because because Jack and Reese have gone on to win the championship. So. Um, so yeah, scholarship scholarship year one was uh, was born. The process worked, didn't it? That. Say again, sorry. The, the process worked, as they say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I think that the, the you know for me, obviously, going back to the, the reasons on why I wanted to start a scholarship. Obviously, I'm not getting any younger. Still, I still think I'm quite young, but you know, obviously, I'm not getting any younger. But I, I just had the opportunity, and I just wanted to give something back to to somebody younger, obviously, and give them the chance to, to you know, to have this experience of doing, you know, Britka, you know, and it, it was a chance then for me to pair up with somebody, obviously, that's going to be really fast and really quick. Um, and, and there's no other kind of motive behind it. It's, it's just giving opportunities. It's trying to give someone an opportunity that wouldn't have the opportunity or somebody that, you know, it wouldn't be possible to race that season without it. You know, we're not looking for, we weren't looking for anybody that already had, you know, drives lined up for the following season of the championships. You were just looking for your fastest, nicest, the genuine reason why they needed it, you know, and that was that what it was for me. And that, and that gives me a lot of satisfaction being able to give that back now, coming from, you know, 2009 especially. Um, it, it just, you know, to be able to offer that, it just, it just, it just means a lot to me. Um, and and from there, it's kind of evolved really. Where it's kind of got a bit of a, more of a passion now. You know, I, I really you know like working with younger drivers. Um, and you know from our scholarship last year, a few drivers come through and have, have raced with us this year. Um, you know Travis Coyne, Alex, and Harry Hickton. 
and it's been, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure working with them, really. You know, seeing them come through the scholarship, yeah, they ultimately didn't win the prize, but we've been able to, to work out arrangements between us all. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully, they've they've had development from it uh, this year in the British Car Championship, then. Absolutely. And the, the, the scholarship has just grown exponentially. And obviously, the, the, the bit that you spoke about there, Max, that's been valuable to this is experience. Um, you can use your experience, I assume, from using the Janetta and, and other, schol- other scholarships are available, of course. Um, but you can yeah. use your experience uh, from those and take all the good bits from those, put them together and ultimately put that into the Dragon Sports uh, scholarship. Take the bad bits and make sure that doesn't happen. So it's yeah. it's it's yeah. um it, it's a good recipe there. And, and Reese, I, I really admire the, the fact that the way you're almost giving back to the motorsport community and helping fund the next generation coming up and through. Yeah, um, and, and that's that's what I wanted to do. And, and the, the most frustrating thing or the most surprising thing from my point of view then was, you know, once we set up the scholarship and we were going to do it, was actually the feedback, not back on our scholarship, but in terms of, you know, scholarships get a really bad rap and there's a lot of bad, you know, bad vibes. You speak a lot of dads and like, oh, is it... You know, we only get picked because of this, so you only get picked because of that. And like I said, it, it, there is no motive in the Dragon Sports Scholarship. It effectively is the fastest man wins it. The fastest man wins it along with having the biggest reason because he can't race next year or a serious reason that comes into it. There, there is no other motives with it. You know, you're racing alongside myself in the same car, so the car's going to be good. You, you know, you just you hear so many horror stories of so many other scholarships. And... Um, that was something that I was quite surprised at how, how, how much of that was actually out there. Um, so I'm actually really glad in what we've done. We've, we set our values out. We know what we're looking for. And, and you know, I think Max vouchers, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a genuine scholarship. I think so to, to, con, to compare across, uh, across the board, your other scholarships in the UK are primarily for, for young drivers. Um, so each of the um, three current main um, junior series, uh, junior saloon cars, Fiesta Juniors and Ginetta Juniors all have their own scholarship. Um, the only other scholarship that um, I'm aware of that is outside of um, junior racing that was still going was the Team Hard Scholarship um, and ours. And, and obviously back in the day, I'm, I'm wearing the top right now, but the Want to Race Scholarship was um, um, was the other sort of adult scholarship that, that was around. Mm. Now, when you look at any of these um, other other scholarships, um, and, and you say this with a pinch of salt, they're all, in a way, commercially driven because they're all run by the championship that facilitates the series the next year. So, for sure, these people are not making a profit out of their, scho- their scholarships. Um, but it helps to sell the championship and get bums in seats and get people to come and have a go. And in, in a way, there is there is a motivation to running it other than um, pure philanthropy. I've got to say, um, one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in, in scholarships was when um, Lawrence Tomlinson rocked up to the Janetta Junior one. Um, and there was uh, the year that Maurice Henry and Robert DeHaan won. Um, and like it was, it was such a special moment because it, um, Lawrence, um, in, in very much like Reese, um, Lawrence owns Janetta. If anybody doesn't know, 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So he he rocked up and he, he basically he we're always looking for one driver. And he came to it and he went, he, he kind of comes along and he's like, God, where he rocks up. Because everybody just, whatever Lawrence says is what he says and that's what goes. But, you know, he, he relies on his people to call down to whatever number of drivers. And then he just went, there's one lad who's really, really quick. You can't not give it to him. There's another lad who's massively improving and it'd be really nice to see where he goes. I've got the power to be able to offer two scholarships. So that's what we'll do. And everybody in the room was like, what? <laughs> like, you're just going to sanction another 100 or 80 grand spend? You know, like that. No, there was no thought for the money um, in it. So as much as I say it's commercially driven, for somebody like Lawrence, it, it isn't It isn't purely that. There is. A, it was definitely a philanthropic um They've got the sports you know, mentality really. in it, you know, and that is that is one hundred percent the case with Reese. So, um, our scholarship is four hundred ninety nine pound to enter this year. I think it was three hundred something last year. Yeah. But basically, the, the fee that people pay will cover the day, basically, renting Blyton, renting the cars, having the team um, and and people involved. So. You know, paying for the website, my time to organise it. Um, Claire, who's who comes and does the fitness. Richard, who comes and does the media. Um, hiring the circuit, the fuel, the tyres, etc., etc. There might be, there may be a couple of grand left at the end of it. They'll go back in towards the racing pot for the following year, but there also might not be. Um, Reese funds the drive that there is there, so. Um, for anybody looking at how the scholarship works, this isn't commercially driven. We don't make 50 grand out the back of the scholarship that we then put back in. Anybody can do the maths and work out if there's 30 people there and they're paying 500 quid each. It, there's, there's 15 grand worth of money to, to run the thing. Our prize fund is a 50 grand prize fund. So it, it doesn't. that's not where the scholarship comes from. And the other thing that's different with our scholarship is that um, the it is the only endurance scholarship. Everything else is a sprint race uh, based thing, um, and this is this is formed off Reese's passion for endurance racing. So, um, so that's that's a, that's kind of the, the differentiator between the other scholarship, other scholarships that there are. Um, why I think people should come and do ours in le- in less than a month. <laughs> And I think it's nice as well because this year we, we wanted to, you know, it, there's been a few other scholarships that come out of the woodwork for this year. Um, and, and as always, I always want to make it better and improve it. I think that the day format of it actually was really, really good last year. So there's not many changes to that bar being assimilated involved in this, year's, in this year's kind of evaluation process. But I wanted to add something extra onto the prize. So we, we're, we're doing obviously the Brit guy, obviously, which is one extra round over last year. So that's an extra round. But also, I'm taking the Clio over to do one round of the Spanish Endurance Series. So it gives the scholar a chance to experience a race in Europe. And then, obviously, they're, they're having a, a, a one-day test also in the TCR in the Astra. So it, it gives them, a, again, a little feel for the European racing and a TCR test as well. So it, it just adds a little bit extra to it, hopefully. So you know, that's our kind of 2024 edition, really. 
Well, I think now is probably the perfect time to take a little bit, a uh, little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the drivers that have gone through that uh, scholarship recently. We'll get a chance to talk about some fantastic talents coming through and talk about a little bit more about what happens with the scholarship on the day. But don't go away. This is a Driving Talk podcast powered by IQ. And welcome back to the Driving Talk podcast, powered by Icon. Max has gone and got himself a jumper on. It is a bit Baltic out there at the moment. And we've spoken a lot about, Reese, your history of racing, what got you into racing, and talking through scholarships in general. We're, we're going to talk about the scholarship on the day. Uh, but first of all, I want to talk about some of the driving force, literally, behind Dragon Sport Racing. And I'm talking about drivers like Alex Neville, Jake Hewitt, Travis Coyne, uh, Jack Meekin. Uh, so really, t- tell us about the drivers you've got behind this team. Yeah, so obviously um, started the year uh, obviously with with the scholarship. Obviously this well last year then, um, and then obviously we our first drive obviously that came into the mix obviously was was Jack um, Jack Meekin obviously who won our first ever scholarship. Um, Jack was pretty much tick so many boxes of what we were looking for from from a scholar then in terms of what we probably set out last year you know and again for this year what we're looking for a scholarship winner super fast super consistent willing to learn willing to adapt uh, and i think as the year got on he, he just got like stronger and stronger and stronger um and, and to be fair i mean by, by the end it was you know it was it was a pleasure working with jack to be fair it was just I knew he could pull out the bag in qualifying. He could put a car up there, and yeah, it, it was just it was great. It was, it was such a good position. I could get in the cars as a second driver, or if it was a second, as I was starting. I knew he would take over, and whichever position we were in, you know, we'd put us in a strong position. Really, and if we did need to chase the race, then he, he could hunt them down and be the hunter, as they say. But um, no, it was it was really good. So I think um, if anyone's out there looking at the scholarship for this year, I think. You know the bar has been set obviously really high, high with Jack. Um, yeah, it's just it's just trying to make a progression really for him now going forward. Really, I mean it's it's a great accolade what he's done this year, winning the championship and winning overall. It's just how how we can help him move his career forward now in, into a into a higher step really, which is what he probably deserves at at his age. Um, showed great maturity. I mean, I've lots of. Telephone conversation with him, lots of long car trips with him over the past year, and you keep forgetting how young he is, um, and that's that's a that's a credit to him really. I mean, he's 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 set on a new journey this year. He's gone to Dubai and things as well, so he, he's got a a lot on his plate to uh, for twenty twenty four to be fair. But um, yeah, so that that's that was our main that was our scholarship driver. He was our winner, first scholarship winner, and obviously first Dragon Sport winner as well. So I mean, it was kind of. Yeah, it was it's a big part of really the story, really. Um, I think the the fact that he's now going to places like Dubai and racing out there kind of shows the progression that ultimately the scholarship has done for him. Yeah, so Jack, he's, he's moved to Dubai for his work, um, but ultimately, you know, like like we we spoke about before he went. I mean, I, I think that where he set his his stall up as in working wise, I think it's probably a good place to be. Um, I know he's had some conversations all, over in different countries over there with with different series and stuff. Also, um, you know, it'd be nice to see Jack obviously still racing in the UK, but ultimately, 
you know, he's got to do what, what's going to be best for him as well, you know, and if an opportunity mm. comes in Dubai or Malaysia, or, you know, you, you're fairly centrally located in the world there, um, you know, he's got to take a grasp of it and, and go for it, really, you know. Absolutely. And we go on, so yeah, go, going on from there, obviously, then we had, um, so the scholarship um, came last year, and, and from the scholarship, we had a, a couple of runners-up, uh, which okay. we, uh, we had Harry Hickton, uh, Travis Coyne and Jay Kewlett. Uh So from there, Jay Kewlett and Travis Coyne kind of approached us about a few weeks after the scholarship. Um, they kind of knew each other previously. I wanted to pair up to do uh, run a car for for them for Britgard for last year. Then um, so working with with Travis all years, it's been an absolute you know pleasure. Um, Rob from Amigo obviously knew Travis before. Um, and I had an existing relationship with, with Travis. Uh, I didn't, um, but to be fair, lovely family. And Travis is quite a quiet guy, which which is not nothing nothing bad in, in that at all. But he he is absolutely rapid. Uh, to be fair, I mean his out and out pace at some occasions is 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 like scary. But it just it just didn't come together for for him this year. Unfortunately, it was, it was more more down to us and the car really than anything else. I mean, he, he just, honestly, if Travis had but he dropped 10 quid on the floor, he would have picked up 10 pence this year. It was just, he just had one of those years where everything he did, he was in such great opportunities many times. And just, it was just something so trivial that happened, you know, but um, yeah, he stayed focused. He stayed positive, which is the most important thing. I really tried to work really hard with, with him through the year and you know kept him kept him going kept him passionate and um yeah he's he's back for this year he's him and obviously Alex Dever will be campaigning uh in the 2024 Britcar series I think they probably will be definitely ones to watch for the championship this year because I think them with them spending a year together as well they're going to be uh, you know they're going to be a force to be reckoned with um we had early on obviously Jake partnered Travis, Jake Hewlett partnered Travis up until the Autumn Park round. Um, we did three meetings. Jake was, it was an interesting story with Jake. Um, obviously, he came from a sim racing background, which was, uh, you know, again, everyone's got a different, different, different way into racing and, you know, no way is right, no way is incorrect, really. It was just interesting. Um, having spent the first two track days with Jake at Brands Hatch, and I followed him around the Indy circuit for the first two days, and I was like, "This guy's going to be interesting." I mean, his his driving style was maybe a little bit like me. It was a little bit leery. Um, it was definitely fast, and I was like, "Oh, we're we're gonna have you know to keep this guy under control is going to be like it's, it was like a dog on a leash you know, to keep like pulling him back, keep uh, keep him keep him keep him going." But um, yeah, Jake was super fast. Yeah, and again, obviously, he was paired with Travis earlier on. They had the they had a win in the first weekend in Britgar, him and Travis. Um, they had other runs as well where they were leading, but again they had a few mechanical issues. And yeah, Jake after Alton um, parted with the team um, and went went on to do um, obviously his own thing, which was fine. And that's why I like we still speak to Jake, you know, regularly. To be honest, I seen him in Donington, you know, a few months ago. Um, and then Alex, who was our driver coach, who came through the scholarship also. Then stepped into place uh, Jake halfway through the season, and to be fair, I think Alex and Travis probably, as a pair and as a harmony, probably work better 
Um, just maybe in terms of car setup uh, and things, it's it's always the most difficult thing in endurance racing is is finding two drivers that have the same values and the same maybe mm. the same setup and and things like that. So yeah, Alex has been it's been great to work with with Alex obviously through the year. Max obviously um, knew Alex before myself um, working with him in, in Graves. So I don't know if you've got anything you want to say about Alex as well, Max. Yeah, I mean. Um... Alex, Alex is somebody I've known and, and worked with alongside at, at Graves. Um, he's a very good driver coach, especially on the mini mini Coopers, and and I think um, probably from from an experience side, which is which is probably my um, um, biggest thing over Alex, really, in in terms of our two coaching roles, is is his experience is relatively limited, even though his knowledge is very big. And um, I think having a year in the Clio's will have really helped him to to learn what a car without ABS and without, um, well, just with a bit more power, something that, you know, can get you into a bit of trouble, um, can really do. So I think, you know, it'll have brought Alex on by doing these last couple of rounds in the Clio. And, um, you know, certainly um, he's going into a, into a second season and he's actually doing some racing next year. Um, where the start of 23, he wasn't. So, um, you know, Dragon Sport has opened the doors for, for Alex as well. And, um, you know, that comes as a result of the scholarship because, um, you know, Alex was in our top, I can't quite remember what we narrowed down to, top eight, something like that. And to be fair, him, um, uh, James Black um, and Ben Davis were probably all drivers who were, maybe on pace and on the day potentially more runners up if you like um than than possibly our three that ended up as being ambassadors for us but ultimately what we could offer as a prize wouldn't have really benefited those drivers um and actually i think you know could you know could and did really benefit um harry jake uh, and Travis and and you know what's led from that has been the right thing. Alex ended up getting a role within the team as a driver coach, so you know that worked out very well for him and um, and he's and he's now into driving roles. So you know I think yeah. Um, yeah. I think actually the decisions we made on that day kind of you know have, have fallen in quite nicely to to create you know the Dragon Sport team as it as it is today. Um, and I think you know really. Um, Although from a, from a driving point of view, I'm not as involved in the team anymore. My my role there is is more to do with the scholarship. Um, we're, we're kind of forgetting one one driver who started it all, which is Reese. So as much as he's kind of like the the visionary of the team and and the owner and stuff, he's he's there because he wants to drive. Um, and um, I know he enjoys and gets a buzz out of the rest of it, but. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's there as a driver as well. So I think um, Reese has, has always quite enjoyed the abstract cars um, and has always gone down that route. But I think by listening to, to Rob and myself with the Clio, he's, he's probably found a series that's, that's met, or a car um, that's allowed him to develop more as a driver than he, than he maybe perhaps thought in, in the first place. And um you know, Reese has Reese has equally got quicker as as this year's gone on, and 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 I think now if he jumped back into a TCR car would would be maybe a little bit faster, but but probably more consistent and better at a number of other things than a TCR. You know, having had that time in the Clio, so um, you know it 
as much as you talk about everybody else that's involved in Dragon Sport, you've got to remember Reese in there as well. Going back to Alex as well, it's interesting because Alex, to be fair to him, when he came in to the to from a driver coach to a drive, obviously it was a it was a difficult period because obviously it was you know it was the first time we had a second car and then obviously we had a driver leave halfway through the series, which you know is always as both it was both amical and it was mutual and everything was fine with it. It still brought a lot of turmoil into halfway through the season. So to be fair, Alex came in. It was a difficult period. Um, the good thing with him was he's if you know Alex Neville, he's very kind of um, calm and everything's very organised. So the the only great I have with Alex is he always wants to be ever early. So if anybody knows me, I'm never early for anything, probably similar to Max, you know. And so if we've got a meeting arranged for, for 8.30, for example, Alex would be there about half past six. It's, he's just, he's, he's so organised, you know. Everything is so geared out. Everything, the weekend, he maps the whole weekend out. So, to mm-hmm. be fair, he brings a lot into the into the team and the organisation of it, which probably we, we probably need because sometimes it's a little bit of chaos it can be just to do to, to, be, to be honest but uh but yeah yeah i mean uh, for my personal view of alex i've known him for a few years i've i've met him through what we call the races lounge alumni which we'll actually come to in a future episode so it's all part of a whatsapp slash sim racing group that grew from covid yeah. and how i kind of got some closer acquaintances with the graves clan and paul and sam pearson people and alex was part of that group and getting to know Alex when he was doing his route through Coopers. And the one thing you notice straight away, and you, you, you kind of put it on the spot there, Reese, his attention to detail is second to none. He's so astute with everything. You could do, when he's working through with drivers, everything to the absolute minuscule detail when he's working through something, it's, it's, it's impressive to watch. So um, definitely, def, definitely um, something he'll be bringing to the party. And, uh, you know, from a personal point of view, he's a really nice guy. I'm looking forward to see uh, how Alex goes this year. Yeah. And then the, the last man that we, we can't forget about, which you could say he, you know, he was a very, very close runner to winning the scholarship, was obviously Mr. Hickton, Harry Hickton. Um, so Harry's obviously got the ambassador role with us um, after the scholarship. It was, it was pretty nip and tuck between him and Jack. You know, I probably can voice a little bit more now after the you know, obviously after a year on but um he, he was very very close to to winning the the title it it was it was just a bit of an unknown he was a bit younger than jack and i suppose coming from gacc we weren't sure how he's gonna you know step up but you know all, all credit to to harry like he again he, he would be another model winner to be fair this year he's he's very obviously very young he's very mature he deals you know he sorts all his kind of racing on himself and him and his dad, obviously, a great, great family. Um, <clears throat> what he's achieved in, in Coopers in the first year has been pretty, pretty mega, I think. Uh, I think he's going to be one to to watch out, definitely, as as he progresses through the ladder. He did a couple of rounds with us this year, um, and we're hoping that he you know, will retain him through maybe a couple of, of Britka rounds again this year and try and give him a bit, of, bit more time out in the car. Um, but his pace on a lap is, like... Is bloody scary to be honest. With you. It's uh, yeah, considering that you know the lack of time he's had in a Clio with us. So when we've sent him out in a in in something where we're like, oh god, he's how's he going to go on? He's he is definitely going to be one to watch for the future. I know his. I think Harry, you know, I like Harry because he's pretty honest. So I think you know he he's definitely a sprint car kind of guy. You know that's his vision. Uh, you know he wants to get to Toka. Yeah, he likes endurance, but I think that's that's his vision is is to get to BTCC. 
he said to me, he came to the, the awards too, and his words to me was, he wants to be an entertainer. And he said he couldn't be an, enter- an entertainer on, on the endurances, but he could be an entertainer on the talker package. And I was like, that's, that's fair enough. That's, that's, that's not a bad, uh, a bad story. So, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see a bit more of Harry with us this year. Uh, hopefully do a couple of rounds with us. But, um, yeah, we, we wish him like all the best as well for, for this year in the Coopers. I know he's got a, a busy com- campaign as well on, on that front, you know. He's, he's probably picked one of uh, one of the best one mate championships in the country to race in. Um, certainly, that Cooper class of the mini challenge is extraordinarily competitive, and uh, has been for the past few years. So, yeah, indeed, good luck to him. Um, so, guys, I just I want you to picture the scene. I've paid my four ninety nine. I've headed up to Blyton Park, and I'm going through the gates on the scholarship day. So, from the start to the finish. What are we going to expect? Fog. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. At Blyton Park, yes. <laughs> in, in fairness, we did not expect that last year. Um, so when we when we arrived uh, for, for the scholarship, um, we had it all mapped out. I think we finished it probably uh, gone midnight the night before, trying to map out the plan and get everything sorted and, just wanted everything to run as smoothly as possible. So we had our minute-by-minute um, minute run plan of the day. And then when we, when we rocked up, you couldn't see the track for the fog. Um, so we, we remember speaking to Russell, and who runs Blight and is from operationally. And we were like, um, how long do you think this will take to clear? He went, probably not today. You know, like, really straight face. And me and Reese were like... Mm. Oh, okay, I think we got a bit of a problem. Yeah. So um, I think you know, two. We were fortunate; we were only running two cars, so we were able to. We basically went on the proviso of if we split them half, half and half over lap, they'd be able to see each other's headlights coming back the other way. And if the headlights aren't there coming the other way, then slow down because they've crashed. That, yeah. was, that yeah. was basically our operational technique. Yeah. Um, but if you if you rock up um, this year and you've paid your your 499 quid to come to, to do Dragon Sports Scholarship. You'll arrive at Blyton. Um, there'll be a few different um, events and things for people to do. So the way the way we operate is that we generally split people into into four into three different groups. Sorry, um, it's slightly dictated by numbers, but um, effectively one one group will go and do driving, the next group will go and do media, and the other group will do fitness. Um, and then once each each group has completed their assessment in each block, then they'll they'll move to the next thing. So um, the driving assessments are obviously um, carried out on track. So we we run from the from the hangar, um, and everybody. I think I think if there was any um, anything that we probably learned the biggest from from last year's scholarship was that people probably needed a little bit more runtime. Um, and the difficulty was we only had two cars between us. Where um, Reese is now amassed a small army of Clios, so we've we've got. <laughs> so um, so this year we've we've got an extra car that will run in the morning, and it'll mean that everybody should get um, sort of a, a best part of a fifteen minute session, and then a just under ten minute session, basically. So we that's a rough plan of what what you would get on a, on a driving front. So. Everybody gets, you know, a bit of a time, bit of time to go out and get used to what the car does. And although it's um, assessed 
we're also very much aware that people are going to progress over the course of the day. Um, so, you know, the first the first run is not the be-all and end-all of everything. Um, the second run is probably a little bit more important to us. And, and actually, if we can see progression, then it doesn't really matter if somebody's not necessarily the fastest. They could still go through as long as they've, they've shown a, a, you know, a good amount of progression. And, and we think that there, there's a good chance that they could go you know, to the to the top of the pile with it, with the run or two in the car. So um, that's the car assessment. Um, mm. And to be fair, that was that was something that I was very much involved with because I was in the passenger seat. So um, yeah. last year we had Will Powell helping us out. Um, this year we had, uh, and this year we'll have Travis and the other. So obviously they both have a lot of experience in the clear now. Um, Harry Hickson will be around, Jack will be around, and Reese will be around as kind of spare hopping coaches. Um, and then, and then, um, well, I'll let Reese talk through kind of the media and the interviews because he was probably more involved in them than than, than I was last year. So, well, to, before, before that, so with the driving side of it as well, Max, so you are almost looking for them as well as the progression side for the mm-hmm. fact, are you almost looking for the fact that they're also paying attention to any feedback? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last last year um, we had two guys in the champion. Uh, actually, three three guys in the scholarship who who had pretty significant four that had pretty significant clear experience. So um, both Jack Meekin and James Black had both done a year in the car in Brick Car. So the really really good thing that we had last year was it was a really solid benchmark. Um, so we effectively knew that them guys were about as quick as anybody else was in. Um, in, in the Clio Cup class. So if somebody was faster than that, they're pretty rapid. And if anybody was slower than them, then we kind of had a rough idea as to where they would fit in on the grid. Um, this year, I think we've only got one person who's um, raced a Clio before. Some of them tested, but pretty much everybody is, is a complete um, fresh newbie. Um, and, and last year, that progression was pretty pretty obvious from a few people like Harry Hickton. Um, to be fair, Travis and Jake were all people who were okay in the morning, but definitely weren't at the top of the pile. Um, but by the afternoon in their sort of like runs after lunch, um, had really, really stepped the game up and um, and and then were genuine contenders for um, for being up there in the champion, uh, in the scholarship, sorry. So, um, so yeah, you know, progression is a big part of it as well as um as well as kind of outright pace to begin with but also it's the feeling that we get from the car you know brick car is not a championship that is all about out and out pace and fastest lap you know fastest over a lap you've got to get to the end of every 50 minute race in the calendar um and the our comfort from the passenger seat is is to be taken into account so um you know i think i think the you know somebody like jack meekin um and ben davis to kind of stick out you know from from last year they were both really quick but it both felt effortless to to achieve that lap time where others you know like harry like travis uh like jake were maybe hadn't quite refined their skills for for that car yet so were were people that like they could maybe get the same lap time out of the car but you were wondering when you were going to fire it off into a field um you know, and, and given a year working with them, you know, Travis, um, 
you know, Travis particularly has, has, has really improved on that, having done it a year with the team. So, um, you know, it, it, it's experience and the more time you have, the faster you go and the more comfortable it feels. So, you know, there's there's that to kind of take into account. And, and in principle, that's partly why Jack was our winner last year. Was It wasn't just the pace, but it was also his, his way of delivering that pace, really. So... From the driving, we'll come to the media side of things. Is it my understanding you've got a certain Richard John Neal helping you with the media side? Got, a, got an absolute legend, yeah. He's uh, yeah. We, when to be honest, when you kind of put the scholarship together, you you know, you put your tributes together, what you want it to be, um, and you kind of want every sector to have a major, like a major asset, really, to you know, tick box. And you know, with the media, we thought, who better? Than Richard John Neal, you know, it's it just you know he know he knows everything inside out. He's very well respected, um, and obviously you know you could you just trust him. So you know he, he just ran his own department. Uh, he he got got on with it. I think he, he enjoyed it. It was to be fair, he did look a bit knackered after the end of the day because um, it was it was a long day to be fair for everybody, but. Um, yeah, and I think it's good as well for, you know, people that come into the scholarship also. I mean, this is something I was talking to people at NEC about on the weekend. Um, ultimately, even if you don't win the scholarship, you get the, the value of the day is in each segment you do. You can take something out of each of it and that will progress you through your, your racing regardless. Or the people yeah. you meet on the day, the instructors you meet, Richard John Neal, Clay on the, on the, on the fitness um, you know the guys are the same. It it is so many different elements of it that you know that helps. But yeah, going I'm going off tangent. But going back to to Rich, yeah. So Richard Richard does the media, and again, it, it's he's, he's experienced and he just knows what questions to ask. Put it like that. Um, so he did his homework. On everyone, he, he'll know where everyone's entered, and there'll be certain things he will want to ask. There'll be certain things that maybe people won't be expecting him to ask. And that, that is ultimately what we want. You know, we want to, you know, not say catch people out, but, you know, just, just throw the odd question in that would maybe put of a curveball, really, and see how they... Throw, throw them off guard. Yeah. Because I think we've... Yeah, because we've spoken about this, actually. So I've worked alongside Richard a few times on the BRSCC this year. And we've... It just when you're having a conversation with him and he talks about the scholarships he does and he spoke about the Dragon Sport one and the ones he's done with Janetta's, straight away, Reese, what you put in there about throwing in that curveball question because he said you don't want the drivers to get too comfortable because there are going to be times in their career and it's going to help them where they're going to get that difficult question. And life is like that. You know, sometimes you're going to have to sit there and either own up to something you've done wrong. Maybe you've had a bit of an altercation on the circuit, something that you've maybe misjudged it a bit. And been, I mean, Max, you've been there, probably the most awkward interview ever at Thruxton uh, with a, with a certain fellow Clio driver. So you know what it's like, but Richard, uh, one of the ways he kind of put it to me were, and, and that he'll put in with this scholarship will be, you know, sometimes you've got to get them a bit uncomfortable because they'll either sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the other element of the of the media, so we, there's a few things that we're looking for on, on that front. One is that there's a, you know, professional, comfortable person who can talk because ultimately they there's, they've got two... Uh, two objectives really in their in their year as a scholar. One is to find their drive for the following year, um, and the other is to represent the team and ensure that we have a full scholarship for the following year. So, 
Um, whoever wins it needs to be able to talk. We don't want somebody who's a mute. We need somebody with a bit of character, a little bit of charisma, um, somebody who can sell themselves and sell Dragonsport. Um, and it isn't just Richard John Neal in on the interviews. Uh, we also have Karis Reese's uh, fiance. Um, so she is in there to to uphold the Dragonsport element of the team. Um, and she's also looking for somebody who she likes. You know, she's got to spend a year with them. Um, but if she doesn't like them, then they won't win. That's pretty much as simple as it is. Yeah, to be fair, the, the, the good thing that you get is they're bit chalk and cheese. So, yeah. you know, they are polar opposites. So you've got Richard with some pretty serious, deep questions about racing and you'll be, you know, getting right into it. And then Karis will come out with a right-wing question and you'll be like, where did that question come from, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, it actually, it, you know, when, when we put it, when well, we do it, we put it together late last year, obviously, the period, the way, and we thought, what, 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 where, where's Karis's best role going to be? And then we put them together and I was thinking, how you know how is this going to work? Is Richard going to gel? Is it going to you know how is it going to work? But actually, they were like a duo. It, it worked. It was perfect. Actually, it was perfect harmony, and it was the right balance of questions. I think, which which is quite just in. Yeah, Karis isn't a, a motorsport expert. She she um she 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 comes along. She enjoys her weekends being being away with Reese. Um, well, she isn't a motorsport expert. So the, the questions that come out of, of Karis are not necessarily things that people would expect. Um, so, Such as? Come on, give us an example. What the team wants Do you know where Pan is? So, um, you know, <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is something that, you know, people have got to, got to learn to, yeah. to, to, to manage and, and deal with in, in, their, in their career because anywhere, going anywhere in endurance racing, you've got pro-am relationships and there's, there's lots of people that that you need to be able to get along with and 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 sort out, and and Karis is a pretty major part of that for for the Dragon Sport team. Yeah, no, it's been it's been good, it's been good, and it's it's going to continue for this year. And um, yeah, we'll we'll tweak it and we'll keep it fresh, and obviously you know try and, but uh, but ultimately we're we're in good hands with Richard. You know, Richard can kind of guide through that part of it, and you know I I got a lot of respect for him, obviously, and so does Max. Um, well, I hope you do mind. I think he does, Max. I'm speaking on his yeah, behalf. I imagine, imagine it. You know, so it's an honour to be honest. You have him in you know, after our scholarship. Um, you know, because obviously it was a first year scholarship we did it, and you know, to put his kind of name and be involved with it was obviously a, you know a big part of it, really. So you know, hopefully this year we will see what we've done last year, and um, yeah, he'll, he'll enjoy it again then. Yeah, and it it kind of sh- it shows um, even more. I mean, not that. Not that you were serious beforehand. It shows just how serious you guys are as a scholarship and putting yourself out there with a name like Richard John Neal. I'm going to sing his praises because I work with him and and um, since day one when I've been doing the live streaming, he's he's a guy that's that's encouraged me all the way. A consummate professional and an all-round good guy. So that's the three of us on the show that absolutely love and adore him. And I'm trying to get him on as well. So just keep bugging him to come on the show. Um I'm but sure no, it, a, a, a credit to you guys uh, for getting Richard John Neal yeah. on. Now, something I'm probably not going to be very astute at is the fitness. If you've ever bumped into me, I am shaped like a teddy bear. I can fit in a race car, though, so it's all good. Um, the fitness side of things. So talk me through that. Is there a bit of treadmill running involved or is, is it a, a bit more basic? Or what are you looking for on the fitness side of things? 
Well, so obviously, if you've never been to Blighton, obviously, I'm guessing. So we, we kind of take over the upstairs element of Blighton, effectively. Um, so we've got a, a lady called Claire. She comes in. Um, she's involved with us all season. So it's a nice mix, actually, because Claire's with the team all year. So she does a lot of our meal plans and um, you know preps us on the day for stuff. And yeah, gives us really good advice and obviously advises on fitness and everything that everything the nutrition and fitness that a driver needs to be to go through the season really so she's involved from our perspective from a scholar she again would spend the year with the scholar so it just kind of made sense to to have clay involved with it um and now it's you know she's obviously she just basically gets a hold of the episodes of blight and then she puts everything to the pieces um so again it's like with the fitness it's not the end all and be all it is obviously quite important but again, it's it's a it's a balance of all of the different tributaries, really, isn't it? It's trying to get, um, you know, a good media, a good fitness, your fast and sim. Obviously, the driving is the biggest aspect of it. Um, so I wouldn't be put off by, you know, because yeah, a lot of people. To be honest, it's probably the most concerned part of it. Drivers, I would say, I would if yeah, Max. I mean, everyone's like, oh, I I know about the driving and the media's that. And everyone's like, oh, the fitness. What's the fitness going to be like? You know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the more physically fit you are, the better. Um, mm. But I wouldn't be kind of put off to be, you know, you know, you're not running twenty five k or something like that, you know, because we still need you to drive the car most part of the day as well. Yeah, I, I think you know the fitness isn't to be somebody out and make them throw up, and you know, if you're not rocking up with a, a six pack and a, um, you know sub 40 minute 10k then you're not going to be the scholar that's not how it is at all um, yeah as, as much as anything the fitness um is one of probably the elements that you know as much people as much as people are worried about it um it's also one of the elements that i feel like people come away from and have learned something from the day um even if they're not the eventual scholar so um we all know that it's an important part of, of being a racing driver um but um, you know, Claire's Claire's job is to give us an uh, you know an assessment of people's fitness levels, uh, but also to give us an assessment of their aptitude to pushing their own boundaries. Um, how do they support other people in in that fitness journey? So, you know, if you're doing press ups um, or sit ups and you've got to, you know, try and get somebody else to you know do them by standing on their feet, do you encourage them? Are you not encouraging them? It's it's not just the fitness, it's your aptitude to it. You know, so there's, we, we want somebody to do, if somebody can do 15 press-ups, we want them to do 15 press-ups. We'd be far more impressed by somebody who does 10 press-ups who could only do eight than somebody who, who's done 75 but could easily have done 100. That's, you know, the, you know that, that's, a, that's a part of it as well. So, and I think, you know... It's the attitude you know, towards it kind of thing. yeah. People can also go away with it and, and Claire can uh, either work with them or find a, a point within their fitness that they need to improve on post-scholarship. So, um, you know, it is, it is an important part of our assessment. It's not the it's not necessarily the deciding factor. Although what I would say is when it comes to the end of the, the scholarship, pretty much everybody's a fast driver. There's not a massive amount to pick from in that so it it kind of comes back to something else because if they're both just as fast as each other and they're both good in the car then there's no differentiator it then comes down to what were they like in the media interview 
how did they try in the fitness? And it could be something as simple as, you know what, when they were doing their fitness, they were really encouraging with the rest of the group. And then we go, yeah, and actually they were they were nice and they were nice in the interview and they spoke to everybody and they were quick in the car and and then you build up a picture and that's how you decide they're a scholar. So um but for all it's not the the deciding factor, it could be a very important part of um of everything that that we do. I guess as as much as the physical side of things, you learn, like you say, you learn about someone's character quite quickly. Um, and again, in their attitude, if if in the fitness part they're pushing themselves to go a little bit further, you know, you know what, I'm not really good at this sort of thing, but I'm going to push and try. And then in the, you know, you get them in the media room, and they're as professional as they can be with Richard, but with Karis, they're they're also they're taking both sets of questions as they are and trying to answer them as best as they can. You know, you would obviously prefer to have a more rounded person in the car um, uh, as well, because you've got to work with them for a year. So, yeah. So the the other element that we have at the scholarship this year is is a simulator. Um, so that will um, challenge people on something that they might might not have experienced before. Um, and again, is is a part of the assessment, but not necessarily the you know, the, the biggest part of it, but it'd be, it'd be great to have the guys at Sim Dynamics there to, to kind of um, showcase their simulators, but also, um, you know, provide another part of the assessment. Um, yeah, I think it's important. I mean, it's, it's pre my age group in terms of simulators. I mean, when I, when I started, simulators were around, but they were probably horrific. You know, the, the, the closest <laughs> thing I got to a simulator was probably Toka 2, I think. That was the, there we go. I'll go was, with that, that race. The retro. <laughs> I mean, it, it did learn me a lot about racing, but probably not very much really. But um, but I think now you you see it. And when I was talking to Simon on the weekend, and it's just getting everything, again, it's just a, an attribute to see how they adapt. It could be a, a random circuit, it could be in a random car. So how quick they get to how to grips with it. Um and yeah, and again it's another touch point with another person, another viewpoint. Um and again it just you know we just take feedback from each department and you know the more eyes and ears and ultimately the decision comes down to us obviously at the end of the day. But all of these touch points just come together usually and you know some as you Max said you know there might be a small factor from a sim that we've been oh actually yeah that's, that's a really good point or yeah that's a really good point about what Claire made about the fitness and Richard actually said something really interesting that he said in interview that he was doing this and not what we thought he was doing and we're like oh okay you know and and all these things just come together to build a, a picture of a person um, and ultimately you know it is about the on-track activity ultimately, but all of these core troopers come together, don't they? And they build your build your scholar, really. Absolutely. So, if anyone wants to apply for the scholarship, they've got as far as I'm aware until the first of February. Second uh, of February, eight pm. So, uh, yeah, we'll be putting that out in the next couple of days. Is our cut off point? But yeah, that that is that is it. So, um, yeah, get your entries in by then. And to get those entries in, where are we heading to, chaps? Head to the, the Dragon Sport website. Um, so it's dragon, uh, little hyphen, sport.co.uk. Um, you'll find a bit in there about the scholarship, which explains everything. Um, and you can you can enter from there. I think, um, I think you know, to, to, to the final touch point on the scholarship is kind of the, um, the shootout, if you like, which 
it's kind of left a little bit open in terms of how we um, how we do it specifically in terms of the numbers that we get down to. But effectively, we start to have a bit of a head-to-head out run um, to whittle down to probably a final three. Um, and then the last bit of decision-making is, is down to Reese basically. So we'll chuck the last three out um, in car with Reese. He's obviously taken everybody's feedback up till then. Um, he goes out with them with them three drivers, and then we all go and sit away in the in the cabin and decide who we want. So um, you know that is uh, that's that's how it that's how it works to you know go from what is probably thirty drivers down to a number that's definitely less than ten, um, down to three, down to one. So. And I can tell you, it was probably the most nerve-wracking day I've ever been involved with on this planet. I mean, I, I can think of days I've been involved with lots of different things over the years, but genuinely, it was, I'm going to say it was horrific. It, was, it, it felt horrific because... In a good way. <laughs> the day flew. I mean, the, the time flew, the day flew, but... It hits me when I drove into the circuit in the morning. I think I got up in the morning. And I was just and I was I was thinking about it the night before. You know, I was thinking all the list of drivers. You're thinking, bloody hell, we got some great drivers listed here. You know, like how do you pick one winner? And I was remember we we did the briefing in the morning. I'm looking at crowd. I'm looking, you know, scanning all the faces, and everyone's looking up, and everyone's smiling, thinking, do you know what? Just one person out of this whole room is essentially going to be happy today. Everybody else is probably going to be going home thinking, bloody hell. And it's just, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it is, it's, you know, as much as you, as you think, it's, it's, it's bloody tough for us as well, you know, to, to pick a winner, especially when you've got such great entries as well. And I think, you know, without kind of letting the cat out of the bag, you know, with this year, the entry list. So, I mean, the entry list this year has got a different feel to last year, 100%, not in a bad way just a more diverse field i would say of, of disciplines of motorsport um so again i think it's going to be you know fascinating like it's gonna be a really fascinating day to be fair fantastic well perhaps once you've got your scholarship winner we can bring them back on to the driving talk podcast at points throughout the year yeah. and discuss their progress how about it yeah sounds good definitely Let's get them on get them on we'll add it to the prize and what a prize that will be i'm sure but um reese max any last words before we uh end this very good episode see whoever's coming on the 9th of february we'll uh look forward to sitting in car with you and uh hopefully getting uh you through to be to be the winner of the scholarship yeah it's going to be uh like i said it's going to be interesting one get your entries in like i said it's it's a big opportunity, big boots to fill. But um, if you don't enter, you don't know, as they say. You know, that's the that's the thing. If you if you're looking for something to do for this year and you're on the sidelines, possibly, it's 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 there for the taking. It's, you know, if you're talented and you've got what ticks all the boxes, then uh, yeah, come and see us at Blighton. Fantastic. Well, Reese Lloyd, uh, Max, my co-host, who's kind of half co-host and half guest this week, but um, it's a pleasure to have you on. This has been episode two of the Driving Talk podcast, series two. Uh, We are powered by Icon, and this has been Enter the Dragon. Don't forget to listen to all of our previous episodes of the Driving Talk podcast on YouTube, Spotify, all your good podcast providers. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you watch or listen to us. And don't forget, episode three will be coming out 
in the next few weeks. So keep an eye out on our socials at Max Coach Racing, at Robert Lewis 1991 on Instagram and on various socials with Track and Road Icon Events. We will keep you posted on future guests. But for now, it's goodbye from us three. <laughs>